From silver and black to the black and gold, both Derek Carr and Foster Moreau now teaming up in the city of New Orleans. What does it mean for the Saints and their offensive attack in 2023? We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss a daily episode. And as always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media Senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me Tuesdays on the Locked NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp Therapy will get you all set up with a licensed therapist who will help you take the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn so you can get 10% off of your first month. On today's episode of Locked On Saints, we're going to be taking a look at the remaining rookies that we haven't gotten to dive into in our live episode yet. And yes, this is another live episode of Locked On Saints. Thanks, everybody, so much for being here. We're going to take a look at Jake Hayner and why his role, the young quarterback, is important Immediately, we're going to look at how Nick Saldaveri, the guard that the Saints traded up for to start off day three, right at the top of the uh, fourth round, why his chance may come sooner rather than later. But first, we've got Foster Moreau and Derek Carr going from the silver and black to the black and gold. What does that mean for the New Orleans Saints offense? The big takeaway that you should know from all this is that what it means for the New Orleans Saints offense is nothing but good Things. Let me give a couple shout outs to the folks that are here live. Check it out. We got Scott, Eric, Nick, JG, Jerry, Eric. I see you. I appreciate y'all very much for being here with us as we get started. Uh, for those of you that are here live, I got a yellow banner saying that stuff might not be smooth. So just let me know if you're, you're dealing with any issues and everything. Let me know if everything's good. Scotty Run coming all the way in from Hawaii. Thank you very much for being here with us. You could be looking at those waves, the, the beautiful sunsets, and instead you're looking at my face. That's so so nice. Larry, appreciate you, my brother. Thank you very much for being here. So whether you're listening live, watching live, listening later, watching later, what we want to look at today is how the New Orleans Saints benefit from the addition of Foster Moreau. And there's a couple of things that we should caveat here and that we should go through. Um, the, the big thing that I want to mention, of course, is that with what Foster Moreau is dealing with, the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis that he received when he came to New Orleans and got a physical done back in March, that things can be very unpredictable. You never really know kind of how these things are going to go and they don't necessarily always go the way that you expect them. But the expectation is that Foster Moreau will be back out on a football field before training camp even begins. So it could be that he's balancing treatment and playing football simultaneously. And you have to understand that sometimes these treatments, like they take a lot out of people. If you've never been around anybody that's gone through stuff like this before, and everything. And I understand that there's a difference between Hodgkin's lymphoma and other situations and stuff like that, but you just never really know. So there is a chance that, yes, Foster Moreau plays in 2023, but can he play up to his potential in 2023 will be a whole other conversation that we can't have right now. We kind of have to wait and see how he projects over on the football field. But the thing to know here is that 
Foster Moreau is expected to be out on the field. He's expected to be out there. And so this is big news for New Orleans. And again, we're talking about a guy that pairs up with another tight end. This isn't a situation to the Saints just got somebody that all of a sudden makes their offense, you know, uh, a, a top flight offense, but he certainly unlocks some things. He makes him a little bit more versatile. He makes them a little bit more um, uh, expansive, able to take over and kind of create mismatches and play up to matchups and things like that. But he also makes them pretty hard to get a beat on. I don't know exactly what word I'm looking for there, but it makes it hard to kind of figure out, predict, makes them unpredictable, makes them unpredictable in terms of what it is that the Saints are doing at, at any point, whether they've got Juwan Johnson on the field or whether they've got, um, you know, Foss Murad on the field. If they've got both out on the field, this is a team that ran a lot of 21 personnel last year, particularly on first down. I believe it was 21%. They were in the top five when it came to that category. Some of that may have come down to how often they, or not on first downs, but on passing plays. They read they were in 12 personnel, um, 21% of time on passing plays. And just as a reminder, 12 personnel is one running back and two tight ends out on the field. And the thing to keep in mind at that is that like 12 personnel is usually a run heavy formation. You've got two big bodies, two extra big bodies out there in addition to your five offensive linemen. And now some of that is impacted by Taysom Hill being sort of this versatile player and when is he counted as a tight end? When is he not counted as a tight end? Other things that that kind of contribute to that or attribute to that as well have a lot to do with injuries at the wide receiver spot too. So I think that like those numbers can get skewed a little bit, but this is a team that for years has said they wanted to be able to run more 12 personnel. You remember when the Saints drafted Adam Troutman back in 2020, the first thing that Sean Payton said was that he's a true Y in line tight end that will allow us to play more 12 personnel. There it is. And so this is a part of the Saints, uh, loose, I'll loosely say DNA, right? It's a, it's a part of their DNA in terms of who they want to be over on the offensive side and then allows them to be able to not tip their hat based upon who's on the field, who's not on the field, allows them to be unpredictable with their personnel choices. He's an inline tight end that can block for you. He's a good pass catcher for you. He's a solid route runner. He understands kind of where to be to help his quarterback get out of trouble when his quarterback is is scrambling. He has that connection with Derek Carr, which is perhaps maybe the thing that we should lean in on the most here. I think every time that we talk about Foster Moreau up until we see him on the field and we see the play, the the number one thing that's going to come up is his health, right? That's what we're always going to talk about. Oh, yeah, the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis and all those things. And that should not be ignored because what an incredible story. I said earlier in the the, the emergency podcast that I did after he signed is that this guy's out here shaking off Hodgkin's lymphoma, like arm tackles on an undersized safety. Like, you, like, this is wild how quickly he's expected to be back out on the field. Notice how I almost, almost went into Christopher Walken there. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's something impressive about that for sure, and that deserves attention. But the other piece of it is being reconnected with Derek Carr. And the thing that I'll continuously hound on here is that he sees the field the same way that Derek Carr sees the field. Remember, Foster Moreau spent his entire career, with the exception of a couple of games, with Derek Carr as his quarterback. Everything that he knows about the NFL game in terms of communication with a quarterback is with Derek Carr, and now he gets to continue that here in New Orleans. And it gives Derek Carr another one of those big body players that he's able to, to you know, target and work with and have on his side. It also frees up Juwan Johnson to maybe be a little bit more Darren Waller in 2023. I mean, if we want to take a look at this from the perspective and through the lens of Derek Carr... Foster Moreau is Foster Moreau in the New Orleans Saints offense as compared to who he was in Las Vegas. Now, Juwan Johnson gets to be Darren Waller. 
he gets to be the guy that goes out there and can catch passes and that can run the seam, that can threaten down the sideline, that can be you know uh, a, a big target over the middle of the field. But Juwan Johnson's also a really good blocker as well, so it doesn't tip the hat for the New Orleans Saints. So there's something really, really cool about the way that um, the way that you're positioning these two players to complement one another and how that benefits the rest of the offense. Having guys like Juwan Johnson and Hunter and, and uh, Foster Moreau on the field at the same time serving as blockers makes Alvin Kamara's game better, makes Jamal Williams' game better. It makes uh, uh, Kendra Miller's game better. The two of them threatening and occupying space over the middle of the field, occupying linebackers, potentially dragging safeties down in coverage and limiting their depth. That helps guys like Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Them running patterns that complement Michael Thomas to where they're carrying over the top while Michael Thomas is coming underneath or vice versa. They have the opportunity to pull a safety deep with them, pull a a linebacker deep with them, pull a linebacker shallow with them, pull a, a, a zone corner shallow with them, which gives the Saints the opportunity to hit the cover two hole shot over the middle to a guy like Michael Thomas. Like there's so many different ways that now having these two guys ends up impacting the rest of the players around. And the guy that really benefits from all of it is Derek Carr. And if you're not building a team that's going to make your quarterback better and that your quarterback can make better, then what are you doing in the NFL? And the New Orleans Saints are doing exactly, exactly that. Now, we'll, we'll, I want to kind of actually bleed this conversation over into the next segment. We're going to get to Nick Saldaverde here. It's Nick Saldaverde here in a moment. But I want to talk about Taysom Hill. How does this impact his game and what's coming up for him next? We're going to get to that a little bit as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On. Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by our friends over at BetterHelp. Today's episode brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy on Line. Make sure you go and check them out if you're looking for uh, access to therapy and looking for access to making yourself, uh, you know, more taking care of your your mentals just like you're taking care of your physicals, right? So you got to make sure everything's good. You got to make sure everything's working. And BetterHelp helps you do that. Therapy helps you do that. And BetterHelp makes it all very accessible. Uh, so it's much cheaper than uh, traditional therapy. It's way more accessible than traditional therapy, and it's way more tailor made to what it is that you're looking for as well. Than traditional therapy. And best of all, you can do it all from the comfort of your own home, lunch breaks, whatever. As long as you've got your laptop, your computer, your phone, you can have a therapy session and you can get the help that you're looking for. So if you want to learn more today, you can find your better balance over at BetterHelp today. Just head over to betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're going to get 10% off of your first month that way. Don't forget betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on to learn more today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate all of the everydayers for being here every day. Everybody here uh, in the live chat as well, coming through and being here for the show. Appreciate y'all very, very much. We've had a very fun week here on the show. I think we've already done like it's Wednesday. I think we've done, what is it, seven episodes, eight episodes so far. So, you know, we're rolling here on Locked on Saints. There's only more on the way coming up to tomorrow. Um, do the New Orleans Saints have everything that they need to be successful? And how does the schedule impact that? The Saints have some already good news when it comes to their schedule. And the schedule hasn't even been released yet. So we'll do a little bit of a schedule preview for Friday morning and then we'll be our Thursday morning. And then we'll be here later on in the day uh, with a uh, look at the schedule live once it's all uh, all done. So we'll we'll get all that over to you. Um, I wanted to get to Nick Saldaveri here in a moment, but I didn't want to drag on too long in that first bit. But I do want to mention really quickly Taysom Hill. What does this mean from Taysom Hill to have, you know, both 
Foster Moreau and Juwan Johnson. I think that what it means for Taysom Hill is that he gets to be the multifaceted weapon that he was meant to be. He's not just going to be shoehorned into having to take snaps every day at quarterback or take snaps every day at you know fullback or take snaps every day at tight end. Now the answer to the question of Taysom Hill, what position do you play, can finally truly be a general yes. I do it all. And that's a that's good news because what it allows the Saints to do is game plan Taysom Hill in a way that is specific week to week based upon their matchup and based upon the uh, uh, the opposing defense. And I think that's when Taysom Hill has been at his best. You look back at the Cleveland game, you look back at the Seattle Seahawks game from last year. Those were years to where this or games to where the Saints knew, okay, Seattle's really really weak in the run game. We're going to run it a ton right up the middle, right up the gut with Taysom Hill. Uh Cleveland it was going to be atrocious. It was going to be cold. Everybody was going to be beaten and bruising and bruising, bruised. And so what did they do? They saved Taysom Hill, their big bruiser guy for the second half, and then just lit up the Cleveland defense with Taysom Hill. And I think being able to do things like that, so you don't have to rely on him to simply man a position for you, quarterback, tight end, fullback, running back, whatever, means that you can utilize him sparingly and then utilize him, overutilize him in the spaces where you know he's going to be successful or change game to game, week to week in terms of how you attack the opposing defense. So I think it frees Taysom Hill up enough to be a little bit more of a consistently used offensive weapon as opposed to having to focus down to a a, a position. Nolagang09 in the chat says, play him anywhere. And that's exactly right. That's exactly where it is. Well, let, let's talk more about that um, in, in tomorrow's episode as well. I'll find a way to, to, to get that in for you. We'll get into more detail on that. But I want to get to Nick Saldaveri, and then I want to get to Jake Hayner. The the fun thing about Nick Saldaveri, and the reason why I wanted to, to talk about him here is because this is a guy that's played a ton of, uh, spent a ton of time playing at right tackle, has played a little bit of right guard, started some games that started, I think it was like over 30 snaps at left tackle during his college career, played center when he got to the senior bowl. And I think when you look at where Nick Saldaveri really is, I think oftentimes when we talk about him, we talk about him as a potential 2024 guy. He's the guy that once they move him to the inside and then they get him ready, then he's going to be there. But what if a guy like Nick Saldaveri makes a guy like Andrus Pete shake at his boots a little bit, right? To where you get a guy like Nick Saldaveri coming in and that's got, uh, and that's got the, comp- the ability to compete with Andrus Pete at left guard. And that might happen. Like, I don't want to rule out the fact that Nick Saldaveri could potentially come in and push Andrus Pete for starting snaps. It might not be early on in the season, but let's just say the two compete during camp and get an opportunity that way. Even if Saldaveri doesn't win that role week one, if Andrus Pete ends up hurt at some point, or if things aren't going great with Andrus Pete on the left side of the line, then there's an easy chance that you could see Nick Saldaveri, boom, move right into Andrus Pete's spot and then never let it go. Remember, Andrus Pete took a pay cut before this season. And in the, as a part of that pay cut, he also restructured his deal with the Saints to the point that he is on a contract year. So the Saints have to have some type of secession plan at left guard. But his cap hit here in 2023 is $8.8 million. And no matter what, there's money on the books for next year that it's going to have to carry over. But a good part, good, good portion of that $8.8 million comes in prorated bonuses and things like that. And so for the Saints, like you're not really in a situation here where you feel like you're forking up so much money that you quote have to start 
Andrus Pete. This isn't an Ezekiel Elliott in you know situation to where you paid him so much that even though he's clearly the second best running back on your roster behind Tony Pollard, you can't do anything with him until he's not on your roster anymore. So now the Dallas Cowboys get to enjoy Tony Pollard, the, the Tony Pollard area era, but that era should have started two years ago, a year ago. The Saints don't have to do that. They have a guy like Nick Saldaveri, who, if he proves is better than Andrus Pete, could just straight up take Andrus Pete's spot. And I think that's a good space for the Saints to be. And then you consider the fact, too, that they also have a right guard and Cesar Ruiz, whose fifth year option they declined. That does not mean that the Saints are out on Cesar Ruiz. It just means that they didn't want to guarantee him $14 million next year. And as you saw across the NFL, for the most part, fifth year options got majority declined over the course of the year because those numbers are just getting ridiculous at this point. So teams would rather be able to say no. We're not going to guarantee this amount of money, but we can pay you that average amount of money over the course of this many years, but let us cost control the first year to keep that salary cap hit low. So I think that that's a big point. And um, I think Tedra here is mentioning something about Andrew, like, something about um, uh, Ryan Ramchek and the bonuses that he has. Yeah, his bonuses are if he makes all pro at left tackle or the pro bowl at left tackle, one of the two. It's the only reason that would be the only way that he gets bonuses. So there's no situation to where there was there's a, a you know a, a limit to Nick Saldaveri here. So Nick Saldaveri could be a guy that they play at left guard now, or right guard or left guard. Now the interesting conversation is if they if you know injuries hamper Andrus Pete, do the Saints give him a shot at left tackle or do the Saints move Ryan Ramchick over to left tackle or whatever? I don't think that the Saints do that because they really see Nick Saldaveri as an interior offensive lineman. And I'll tell you this much. So does the rest of the NFL. I've spoken with several scouts, several people around Nick Saldivari or around the NFL about Nick Saldivari, and they all see him as an interior offensive lineman, which is great because that's where the Saints need the help. And it's where they need succession plans. It's where they need depth in terms of injuries. And honestly, it's where they need somebody to come in and push somebody else like Andrus Pete and challenge them to get better. Because if you don't, somebody might be coming for your job and that job could be Nick Saldivari. And even if that doesn't happen year one, that doesn't mean that Nick Saldaveri is a bust of a pick. He's a fourth round pick. We can chill on that. But it doesn't mean that he's a bust or anything like that. It just means that his role begins to increase in importance exponentially as the days tick on and as contracts do or don't get signed along the interior for the New Orleans Saints because they'll have their plan for their next starting guard at either one of those spots. And that's a good spot for them to be. Hopefully, I got. I, I think I got everything in there in terms of what folks were asking uh, in the chat for sure. All right, coming up next, I want to take a look at Jake Hayner. The Saints also traded up to go ahead and grab Jake Hayner. What do they like about him and where does he fit in? And why is his role actually still important, even though he may never become a starter in a New Orleans Saints uniform? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Woo, we got a lot going on today. Foster Moreau's a New Orleans Saint. Nick Saldaveri could be challenging Andrews Pete for a starting role for all we know. So what is going to happen next with Jake Hayner, our last rookie that we haven't gotten to fully really take a look in terms of the fit with the New Orleans Saints yet. Let's get to that. I want to remind you and all the everydayers, all y'all that are here in the live chat, I appreciate y'all very much for being here. Uh, no joke, I see you, bro. Uh, so I appreciate y'all very much for being here, but I want to let you know tomorrow's episode, we're going to have a morning episode like usual. We'll break down sort of previewing the things that you should know about the Saints schedule. They've already got some good news there. 
And I think we can have a little bit more conversation around Taysom Hill in there as well. Uh, get your questions in because I'll answer those questions as well. Send me some schedule related questions as well if you got them. Um, so I appreciate the everydayers for being here with us. And then we'll do our evening episode live reacting to the actual schedule at that point. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Let me get to the actual content for you now. Um, Jay Kaner. So Jay Kaner is a big and important piece to who the New Orleans Saints can be with their identity moving forward, even though he may never actually start a game for the New Orleans Saints. Let's be very, very real about who Jake Hayner or what Jake Hayner is to the New Orleans Saints until he proves otherwise, okay? We're never going to put a ceiling on a drafted player on the show. It's not going to happen because the New Orleans Saints don't do it. So why would we do it? They're smarter than I am. So here I am. Um, well, okay, I'll put a ceiling on some players. Let's be real. I'll put a ceiling on some players. <laughs> I think you know who those players are already. Uh, when it comes to Jake Hanner as a drafted rookie, I won't put the I won't put the ceiling on. So, but I also won't come out here and say, oh, he's going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. No, 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 no. We're not going to waste our time with that. But the, the thing that we want to look at here is what it is. No worries, Victor. Appreciate you being here, even though you're at work, bro. That's crazy. Uh, I'm at work too, which is kind of wild. Um, when we look at Jake Hayner, what it is that he actually brings to the New Orleans Saints is the classic backup quarterback role that comes in, learns the offense, and helps the starting quarterback implement and also see things that maybe the starting quarterback isn't seeing. Mark Brunel, Chase Daniel, Luke McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, these were all fantastic. Jameis Winston, for, for great backup quarterback for what these guys were doing in terms of coming off just smart football players who can see the field and then translate that by looking at these, you know, on their little like tablets and all that stuff. Um, it's just pictures. That's all it is. Like they're not looking at game film during games. They're just looking at stills that are taken from the last drive. And so what the, the backup quarterback is usually doing is kind of like flipping through stuff. And then once the starting quarterback comes off, they'll have a conversation. What did you see while you were over here on the sidelines? Well, I saw this here. Look, Here's this. Did you notice that? See how they're playing this? Maybe next time that we run this play, you know, get them to bend that a little bit less or get that to bend, get them to bend that a, a little bit more or find the green, whatever, right? Like they're responding to this formation with this alignment and they're responding to this pattern with this met, with this match, stuff like that. And so when you're a guy like Jake Hayner, who is an incredibly smart player, there's a great like viral video that went around for a little while of him, like breaking down plays and breaking down coverages and stuff like that. Like he's an incredibly smart player. You now get him in. Jameis Winston is on the roster. You get Jake Hayner in. He gets a year to learn the offense with, you know, Jameis who ran it with uh, uh, Derek Carr as he's learning it. And keep in mind that Derek Carr is Jake Hayner's mentor as well. So they'll spend a lot of time together. They already have a really good relationship. They already speak the same language and all that in terms of shorthand and quarterback play and all that went to the same college. Like all those, I don't know if them there's so much time between the two of them going to college. I don't know how much benefit that actually has, but certainly the college is part of what brought them together. Um, so what you get is that you get a guy that is a Jake Hayner type that is super smart and that is able to come in, learn the offense with the starting quarterback at the same rate that that starting quarterback is learning the offense because they're both showing up at the same time right now. And so Derek Carr is going to learn the offense much faster because he knows the NFL speed. He knows the NFL lingo. He knows the NFL language. The Las Vegas Raiders offense was similar to what the Saints will run in their offense. We'll discuss why they should add some things to that next week. But there's, there's some similarities there to where it's really just kind of like flipping terminology and learning some of the new, new principles and, and, and tenets and things like that. But then Jake Hayner's kind of learning that at the same time. 
So when Derek, when when next season happens and Jameis Winston is hopefully off somewhere else, either starting as a quarterback or or you know with a whole new opportunity, I say hopefully off somewhere else because I'm saying hopefully he gets another opportunity somewhere. Um, but Jake Hayner will be the premier backup in New Orleans. Like he's going to be the top backup in New Orleans behind Derek Carr. So when Derek Carr comes off of the field, he comes off the field, he goes to Jake Hayner, and now he's got Foster Moreau, who he already knows, and he's got Brian Edwards, potentially these guys that all speak the same language. And he walks with Jake Hayner, he says, what did you see? And everything that Jake Hayner says needs no translation. Zero translation. And that's why that role is so important, because then he says, well, when we ran this, they did this, so they responded by doing that. So next time that we do that, we should do, maybe look for this. And then, bop, Derek Carr's off, right? And then, so there's all of those sort of things. And remember, Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr. So Derek Carr and Dennis Allen have a great relationship. Joe Woods was there in, in, in Oakland at the time with them. So they have, like, the what the Saints have done is that they have created, what's the word that I'm looking for? They have created something that is symbiotic. They've created the thing that the New Orleans Saints were always known for in terms of putting their stamp on an offense is that everyone knows the same thing. Everyone buys in. Everyone is in on the same idea. Everyone agrees. Everyone believes they're headed in the right direction. And that's what the Saints are building right now around their quarterback and Derek Carr. And Hayner becomes that guy too. And so he learns that offense. He's, you know, wild smart. He'll pick it up quickly and everything. And then all of a sudden, everybody's speaking the same language. And that helps to make the offense a lot better. A lot of what you, oh, and yeah, there's a couple of good points here in the chat too, of course, that I missed that Jake Hayner's been studying Drew Brees his entire life. Like Drew Brees was, he was wearing a Drew Brees, he used to wear Drew Brees jerseys and like watch his film. And of course he's 5'11", six foot. And so he learned how to succeed as a quarterback at that height from watching Drew Brees changing arm angles and moving laterally to, you know, shuffling his feet, moving laterally so he can find different throwing windows and buying time and all these other things like synergy, synergy. Thank you, George. Um, so you create synergy across the New Orleans Saints personnel, their roster, their coaching staff. Everybody speaks the same language. And then you have this guy, Jake Hayner, who has had very early exposure to the New Orleans Saints offense because of studying Drew Brees, who has had very early exposure to the quarterback that he's backing up and supporting in Derek Carr because Derek Carr was his mentor. And then now he arrives in New Orleans and gets an opportunity to get set up and make it all happen. I mean, it's awesome. And it's a really important role. It's a really, really important role. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you on a single episode that Jake Hayner is the next starting quarterback after Derek Carr in New Orleans. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know that that's the truth. I don't know that that's the truth. And I don't believe that right now. But that doesn't mean that the role that he has is insignificant. The role that he has is vital to the, to the past success of the New Orleans Saints. This is the stuff that made the Saints special. This is the stuff that helped Drew Brees get to where he got because of having guys behind him who saw the field the way that he saw it who translated the game the way that he translated, who had the same time on task that Drew Brees had or that were learning from Drew Brees' time on task. All of that is incredibly important. So while I won't sit here and say, this is the next great quarterback in the NFL, I will say this is could potentially be the next great backup quarterback for the New Orleans Saints that helps their starting quarterback reach heights that they did not think, that no one thought that they could reach. Maybe that happens for Derek Carr. And if so, Jake Hayner can play a large role in it. Okay. Get your questions in uh, here on in the chat and everything. Make sure that I get those so I can answer them in the third segment for tomorrow morning show. Coming up tomorrow morning, we're going to take a look at the good news the Saints already have 
on the schedule and it will predict some of the things that you'd like to see for the schedule before the schedule comes out. So that'll be out late tonight slash you can catch it early tomorrow, 9 a.m. on YouTube as always. And then it'll be super early for all of you that listen on uh, audio on the audio side. That always drops first. Um, and then we'll, we'll also take a look at Taysom Hill. That's the other thing I want to look at was Taysom Hill and how his role adjusts and how the Saints can deploy him in different ways. We'll do a little bit of film study with all that as well. So make sure you get all your questions and all that. Uh, I really, really appreciate y'all. Gabriel, appreciate you, homie. Uh, and thank y'all very much for coming through for another live episode. Thank you for checking it out uh, live or later, however it is that you're taking it. And appreciate all the everydayers out there who've been grinding with me for, the, for this past couple of weeks. We've been having a lot of fun here on the show. So two days will roll on. And of course, Locked on Saints will roll on as well. Thanks to you. So I appreciate you as always, y'all, for making me part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.